You're listening to Monster Riff Presents with your host, Monster Riff Editor, Pat Schober. And now, here's Pat. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Monster Riff Presents brought to you by MonsterRiff.com, the search for the ultimate riff. As always, I'm your host, Pat Schober. And with me today is special guest Patrick Brink of Volume. How's it going, Patrick? Going good. Glad to be able to have this conversation with you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. It's great to connect with you again. Volume, for people that don't know, is a super cool, a little bit retro project from like the late 90s, early 2000s, um, getting resurrected for a really, really cool uh, EP called Requesting Permission to Land. It is its uh, This is its 20th anniversary We've got the remastered version coming out October 27th. Congratulations on that. I'm really excited to dive into this record with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm stoked that this record's actually finally coming out on vinyl because it came out on uh, CD way back in the day, and it was always supposed to come out on vinyl, but things happened and, you know, just the vinyl never did. And so this this was a goal of mine was to get this on vinyl. So I, I want to I wanna tee up volume for everybody a little bit here because I, I think that you have you have a really fascinating history for the band. And I think what's so interesting about the stoner rock genre in general, however you want to define volume sound. Right, right. We have like the underground of like rock and metal, right? And then the underground has underground. And you have like you've been in the periphery of so many cool acts and so many cool people and bands and you've been on like really really cool compilation albums and we're going to get to some of the personnel that were involved on requesting permission to land but first i want to dive into sort of your sound a, a little bit i was reading earlier the like heavy acid rock moniker i would say maybe like fuzzy acid stoner rock it's sort of like a mashup of like monster magnet and the ramones just with like a huge wash of fuzz over everything how would you describe your sound and like your inspirations over the years i think you got a a good take on it i a lot of times i say we're punk rock on acid it's you know black flag is a huge influence but the stooges they rule mc5 blue cheer you know all all the greats but definitely you know monster magnet that's that i think that's pretty obvious and stuff that um we sound like them they're one of my favorite bands that their first three records are like untouchable i think i think you know they just incorporate all the the killer elements that i'm into uh you had a really nice compliment from revolver magazine they called uh volume the best lo-fi mindfuck since monster magnets tab which is quite the quite the compliment yeah, no, I, I I was surprised and um and, and pretty stoked about that when that came out, and especially for a band our size, you know, just kind of getting out there and playing some shows and doing a, a few little things for them to like put that you know and review it in Revolver magazine. I was surprised, so that was cool. I, I want to talk a little bit more about other bands that you've been in in the works with, but before we get there, you're from Twenty Nine Palms, uh, yeah, out there in the California desert not super far from like the Coachella Valley and uh, where Caius would have would have come up and stuff. Did you ever run with any of the the other like super influential bands from from that area? No, I mean, I met them way back in the day um, when I sung for Fu Manchu. We played a show and those guys knew each other and you know, I met and talked to them and, and stuff like that. But 
as close as we are, which we're about 50 minutes away, they're in the lower part. We're in the high desert mm -hmm. in Joshua Tree area. There's like different things going on. You know, I, I ended up going down to the parties and stuff like that down there. But um, for the most part, you know, we had our own thing going. It obviously didn't get as uh, huge. But, you know, we we had our own desert parties up here and did a bunch of stuff up here. A lot of it really eclectic up here. What What's it like being at one of those parties in the desert back in the day? Oh. Well, what I remember, or <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was good. We're young and, you know, no cares that just kind of partying, having good time, you know, always digging the music. And sometimes the cops would come, sometimes they wouldn't. We'd be surprised that they didn't show up and break it up. And then, no, it was, it was fun. It was a good time. I had, I had John Garcia on the show way back when, and he kind of talked through sort of the necessity for them sort of like this restlessness that was kind of common in their community and a need for a space to like perform like there were only so many abandoned poles and abandoned houses where they could go and just like let rip did that did that vibe translate up to where you were or what do you think was the driving force behind was it just kids partying it was boredom when i grew up back in the early 80s you know in in my teenage years up here in 29, there was nothing. I mean, we didn't even have a traffic light. We had one light in the middle of uh, the town that blinked red. So it was like a four-way stop. But I mean, we didn't have anything, no fast food, nothing. So it was just kind of like natural that we gravitated toward music and stuff. It was an outlet. It was, it, you know, the cure for boredom gave us something to do. And then from there, we're like, hey, this is fun. Let's let's bring some other people into this and start throwing parties and stuff like that. So that was kind of the the catalyst, boredom. And these uh, would have been like like concerts, but like parties, like mashed together. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. We, they, they, they were at houses out in the desert, you know, same stuff that was going on down in um, the lower desert, Palm Desert and all that out there in India. How, how do you feel like that helped your development as a musician and as a band too? Do you feel like that sort of live repetition helped you sort of master your sound as you got ready to go into the studio? Oh yeah. Well, back then I just sang in bands, actually. It wasn't until I started volume that I started playing guitar in bands and started taking it more serious and stuff before I used to just sing. And so, you know, the stuff that I wrote about was all influenced about my, you know, growing up. And, and, and that's kind of how it is. You know, we, we kind of sing about a lot of the stuff we know about and, you know, what's pissed us off, what's worried us, what scared us, things that brought us like good times. You know, so all, all that um, happened in the desert. And that's still I, I still write about those days, you know, and new stuff, too. But that's that's all been an influence. And you mentioned Fu Manchu earlier. The the personnel list for this album is or for this EP is super, super cool. Notable names being Scott Reeder, the drummer of, of Fu Manchu fame, not not Scott Reeder, the uh the bassist of, of the obsessed that kind of it's good that you make that distinction because that when the EP came out, it was funny because so many people at that time Scott Reeder the um, drummer for Fu Manchu, he hadn't been in Fu Manchu yet. And he was just in between bands, a band called Smile. So everybody just assumed it was Scott Reeder, you know, from Kaya's fame. And so everybody's like, oh, he plays drums. He's on your drum. You know, so we're like, I constantly have to explain, no, the different Scott Reeder. Yeah, right. Yeah. Funny, funny story about the other Scott Reeder, the one from The Obsessed and Kaya's and Fireball Ministry. I, I did an interview with Fireball Ministry uh, a few years ago, while like Monster Riff was was still coming up, 
And I somehow didn't realize that Scott Reeder was in Fireball Ministry at that time. I was excited to do the interview. I have a lot of respect for them. They have some really, really cool music. And it was like 15 minutes before the interview. I had had Zoom set up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some last minute research. And I was just like going over the personnel list again. And I was like, oh shit, it says Scott Reeder. There's there's no way that's that Scott Reader. Absolutely shit my pants <laughs> before right. hopping on. And even he was super chill the whole time. But uh, that was like the biggest name that had been in the Monster Rift ecosystem at that time. So it was kind of so, yeah, crumbled through some of that. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another uh, really cool name attached to this, uh, Jack Andino. Am I pronouncing that yeah. correctly? Uh, he remastered everything. Obviously, he's connected to Nirvana, Soundgarden, Mudhoney. Uh, High on Fire, Nebula, like some really, really cool, cool names uh, attached to Permission to Land and to Volume in general. Yeah, no, um, we we were stoked to um, have Jack and Dino come on board and do the remaster. He was actually supposed to record our follow up to the EP way back in the day. So we we had it all scheduled, everything. We were on tour. We were supposed to come back, practice for a couple of weeks and go straight into the studio. Well, we broke up on the road, so that never happened. And uh, but yeah, Jack and Dino. I mean, he's amazing. I mean, he's done so many of my favorite bands: Mud Honey, Soundgarden, like you said, you know, all that Nirvana. And he knows how to, you know, capture that raw guitar sound that we that we have. So that fuzz that you guys have is is so thick, uh, and you could really cut that with a knife. So with that in mind, I do want to talk about the EP. There's, there's a lot of catchy stuff that we could talk about in this. I, I want to start by talking about Head Swim, which is like a what, like a 12-minute mindfuck. I was re-listening to that today, and um, there's a lot going on in Head Swim. Uh, it goes from <laughs> like, it's like a really trippy sort of acid rock, and then there's like a spoken, there's like, a, I don't know, is that a sample? Is that just somebody talking into the mic in the studio? Like, what, what is that in the, the middle that's of the me song? having a mental that's breakdown. It, like, I was just reenacting, like, that song's about my dad and him dying and me being, now I gotta be a man, and I don't have that influence and that safety net of my dad. And I was in, I was 24 when my dad passed away, and that's what that mm. song's about. And at that time, just started partying more, and just at one point, nearly just broke. And I, <laughs> I was up in Santa Cruz, called the cops on myself, and it was like I was losing it. So that song's about that. And that middle section's kind of reenacting what what was going on at the time. Yeah, that's that's a super hard age to lose anyone, let alone your dad. Yeah, we were super close. So yeah, it was pretty tough. But I, I've got a lot of songs about him. So yeah, what is it like revisiting this album twenty years later? Man, it's killer. I, you know, I, I mean, I stand behind the album. I thought it was good then. I, I think it still holds up quite well now. I like it. I really like, there were some things I would have changed. I think everybody that records always goes back and goes, man, if I had more time, I would have done this or I would have done that different. But overall, I'm still happy with it. And I think that um, um, Jack and Dino, when he remastered it, he actually the old one it was um the bass got lost in the muddiness of the drums mm. and so forth and so the remaster you can actually hear the bass so it's 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 really cool so i'm i'm pretty excited for this to get out i have a two part question for you on that note was there anything as you sort of re-listened to everything was there anything that you heard that you just hadn't i assume you hadn't there was some space in between the last listen before you started on this project again as you sort of re-listened anything everything 
were there any moments where you were like, oh, that was really cool. I forgot that I did that. And part two question, was there anything that you were like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that? No, you know, I mean, it was pretty much what I remembered. Like I said, the one thing that was kind of driving me nuts was um, um, the bass was drowned in the money. I like that raw sound, but yeah. I, I still want to be able to hear all the individual instruments and the bass really got lost in the first mix. And no, I, there's nothing really that I, I find that I cringe at. And yeah, there's some things that I wish I was able to get on there we wanted some saxophone on there but that never happened so you got some theremin in, into this album though yeah yeah um by this one guy who uh um, i met his name's todd nakamin and uh he actually tried out for guitar for us and um that didn't work out but he played theremin so we kept in contact we still talk to each other every once in a while and so um yeah that was that was totally kill how would how would you describe this album to somebody because I, I meant to do that earlier when we were talking about head swim and then we just kind of dove into some other stuff but how would you describe this album i would say like a bad acid trip um driving through the back deserts on the vegas man you know it's 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 just kind of got that flair but you're kind of like afraid and you're kind of like just sunk in the moment and uh it's just it's just beating you over the head it's pretty raw and 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 aggressive what happens now with volume? You guys were sort of apart for what 10, 15 years, and here you are uh re-releasing some old material. Um, do you guys plan to tour at all? Are there gonna be any shows? Is there gonna be new music? There's new music, and I'm hoping to get in the studio in a few months. I finally got a full band, you know, we got the full deal going on. We've been practicing, we're hoping to do some shows here. Um, in October starting and then get back in the studio right away. We already have, well, I have enough killer songs right now to put out three albums. And so oh, wow. what we want, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been writing a lot. Some of them are old. Some of them are written over the last few years and some have um, are new and I keep writing. And so like, I mean, even though I took a hiatus with volume, I never stopped playing guitar pretty much every day and writing. I'm not one of those guitars can sit there and practice. I start to practice and then next thing I know I'm writing a riff and then I get lost and I'm now I'm trying to write a song. I mean, that, that, that has its pros and cons and stuff. So yeah, we hope to get in the studio and record an um, EP that we'd like to get back out released next summer. So I already got the songs. We already know what we're doing on that. That's really exciting. I, I'm I'm going to make a statement here that'll lead into the next question, but you've been part of a lot of different compilations and to cherry pick something in 19, well, that's not really a good example. In 2000, you were on a compilation with Mushroom River Band, which which dates you guys a little bit. Uh, yeah. The, the Quill. The uh, Quill, that dates us too. Astro Queen, Five Horse Johnson, who I think are still partying, Puny Human. But you were also on a compilation last year with Sky Pig, <laughs> uh, Warco, and some some other contemporary acts as well. So there, there's definitely been a break uh, in the volume discography. What's it like jumping back into that writing? I know you've been writing, but as you sort of work to recapture that that volume sound, is that is it a little bit like riding a bike? How does it feel being back in into this mold? Oh, it actually feels good because it's natural. This is this is 
you know, my wheelhouse. This is how I write. This is, I listen to a lot of stuff. Like I, I, I'm sure most people do stuff that's totally not stoner rock or heavy rock. You know, I listen to stuff like Love and Rockets, Loop. I mean, I'll even throw on a bread record every once in a while and stuff. But this is what I like to play. This is what comes out naturally is this style. So it was like riding a bike, you know, as far as like, okay, now it wasn't like I had to go, let's put on the volume cap and start writing songs in this vein. This is just this is mostly what comes out of me. How how do you feel like your sound has evolved at all over over the last few years? Well, the new stuff still sounds like volume, but there's some more dynamics. There's some songs that, for lack of a better term, are catchier. Mm-hmm. You know, they have bigger hooks and still raw though. And like we we have some songs that you know I want to get out there that are actually pretty much everything I've ever wrote. It, has started on acoustic guitar so there's a couple songs that um will be like kind of have acoustic bass to them like actually on the recording so what makes you want to start on acoustic pretty much that's what i started when i because i didn't have an amp when i first got a guitar it was acoustic guitar and that's just and you don't need a plug in to hear it and you can just pick it up and start playing and and it sounds full already the acoustic like with the guitar mm-hmm. you got to get the tone right you got to put a pedal on distortion on do this and you so i always sit and write with the acoustic that's what i that's what i mostly play the electric i'm 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 playing when we're practicing band practice that's that's a little tough on yourself because you can't cheat on an acoustic guitar you know you got to you got to hit the notes right yeah yeah no totally doesn't it doesn't get lost in the in the crazy fuzz and all that so yeah. right there's um i love this scene i mean obviously i run i run monster if i have this podcast cool podcast cool cool thank you cool. Thank yeah you. there i think there's a tendency though to maybe sometimes fall in a rut um you see bands they have they have a very specific setup to their pedals to their amps and so they have a very specific sound that they've developed and from album to album for some bands there's just not a lot of growth there's not a lot of development and every album kind of ends up being a little bit the same and not that that's a bad thing that's just kind of comes with the territory how how do you manage to stay fresh and, and generate new ideas because it sounds like you know you're reinvigorated now how, how do you keep things fresh as you're writing music and you're in the studio well i just push myself it's something Keep sounding the same, like you know. I mean, I write tons of riffs; those get weeded out. You know, some some kind of rise to the top, and I keep them. What I do is I record on my like if I'm just jamming and I, I come up with a cool riff, I record it on a voicemail on my phone, and then I revisit it. And you know, like I got hundreds of riffs on my phone, and I I'm deleting constantly. I'll go back and um you know in a week or so listen to it. And sometimes right away, I know, you know, that sucks. Mm-hmm. That that sounds just like this other song I did or something. So I delete it. So I don't even like go back. Then others, I was like, you know, that might have potential. And so I'll go back and listen to it maybe in a month and see like, okay, yeah, yeah actually, I like this. You know, this is the second, third time I heard it. I like this. I'm going to work on this or other ones in a month. It's like, doesn't make the cut and I get rid of it. And then once I'm really digging it, I give it a name. Otherwise, I just put like maybe next to it as, as the name <laughs> of the thing. You know what I mean? So that's how I kind of weed out like if it, oh, that sounds like this song or that sounds like that or, you know what I mean? Stay fresh that way or just, just self kind of editing. If a song gets a maybe, what is the likelihood of it seeing the light of day at some point? Do you take it to the band or do you sit on it even longer 
until you feel a certain way about it. I, I sit on it longer and I'll listen to it a bunch of times and like it either gets to the point where like I'm like, no, I'm sold on this or it gets to the point after a few times where it, it like becomes like, you know what? No, I don't I don't dig it. And I, and I race it because that way I don't want to have a thousand maybes on my phone. Then then it's just too hard to manage. And then, you know what I mean? So that's how and 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 usually. What I do, what I've done in the past, and what I do here is I pretty much write this, the whole song, and then I bring it to the band, and, and we might, like, edit it or, like, rearrange some things and stuff, but the, the song comes pretty much ready to go. And then, like, something, if the guitarist comes up, the lead comes up with something cool part, we might change it. Okay, look, and I'll hold off on singing on that line. You do, like, some cool riffs, and we'll... And then I'll, I'll sing after that or something like that. Or if the drummer comes up with the cool part, oh, let me change the riff a little bit. But pretty much they come 90% ready to, to roll out and just start jamming. How has the band lineup changed over the last 20 years? Has it changed at all? Oh, yeah. Th- th- this new lineup. I mean, the one that was the um, mainstay um, besides myself was Jason Christensen, who played on most most of the comps and the EP. But he's not on all of them. Um, there were times when he was he was out. He took a break, or when then he came back. And we've had different drummers and different. That's why we're at a, a a place where we got signed to High Beam Records, and the drummer. Well, I think at that time we got rid of him. Um, we needed a drummer. We already had a deal, and we already um, had a, a a time set to record. And I was like, shoot, you know. Scott Reeder was in between bands. He wasn't playing in Smile really anymore, so I hit him up. I knew him from shows and, and different things. I used to have a small record label in the um, in the 90s and put out some comps and different stuff like that. So I knew him from that, and I asked him to, um, if he would do it, and we practiced a handful of times and went in the studio and bashed it out. So like this lineup, I'm the only original member in this lineup and stuff. I talked to Jason and would love for him to come on board but he lives in he lives in Texas I'm in California but he might show up on the album I want there's heavy sunshine is one one song that I want him that's a song that we're going to record for the next album I want him to play lead on it so we're going to try to work that out what's coming up for for the band I know we have October 27th marked as the re-release date for this EP anything else on the horizon that people should watch out for well, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but next uh, um, Wednesday, the 16th, we drop Habit, the remastered version of that. So that will be coming out. And then mid-October, we should start playing shows and and hopefully, you know, start playing regional, local and regional, and then possibly do a, a you know, a short stint of shows up the coast in spring. And then we're hoping, you know, if things go right, where we can do a two or three week tour next summer in Europe. I never made it to Europe with volume. And that's like a goal is like to get to Europe, play some cool shows. You know, you always hear the stories of like, that's where the audience for this type of music is. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to see it because uh, never got to do that with volume. That's a, that's definitely something on my bucket list. Yeah. And Europe is, is the, uh, still the place of culture, even in the underground. Yeah. 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 It's a shame that America doesn't have it that much. Very underappreciated here. Yeah. Is there is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to cover today? Anything that you wanted you want people to know about volume or, or the CP that we didn't cover? I mean, um, that's pretty much it. You know, we're we're back, and you know, we're, I'm gonna keep going this time. I took a hiatus uh, mainly uh, to focus on the family and stuff, and 
Um, now that my kids are grown, my my youngest, he's only he's almost 17. So, you know, you know how that is. They're, they don't want to hang out. It's, you know, it's tough. So I pretty much um, work and practice now and jam and my wife's behind it. She's like, you know, it was one of her like she's like, you should start the band back up again and got the time. So I want to go full force. And I mean, if people like uh, Bobby from Pentagram can keep going and other ones can keep going, you know, hey, I'm there. I'm I'm ready to keep going now. Especially if your wife is cool with it. That, that's a big thing. Oh, yeah. No, she's always been supportive. And it was cool. Like we were at a show watching a band. And I guess she could see the look in my eye. that I was like, man, I want to get up there. And she's like, why don't you start the band again? I was like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, we're not getting any younger. And I was like, let's do it. And that's when I was the catalyst to say, yeah, let's get serious about this. And What do the kids think? Do they ever jam with you? No, they don't jam with me. They're all into um, the oldest one. Um, well, the two oldest one, they listen to some of the stuff that I listen to, but most of this, they're different. The youngest one, he listens, he's straight rap, mm. you know, so, but they think it's cool. They're, they're, they're all stuck. They're, they're behind it and they, they, they think it's funny. In they a way. Ever, do, you, do you ever see them pulling up volume on Bandcamp to, to listen? No, they, they have their own copies, so. Well, I was, I was, I was going to say, you know, do they have their own copies of the CDs? You know, they whip out a CD, but I, you know, depending on how old they yeah, are, they no, might they not got, even have a CD player. Yeah, they got that. And then they can always listen to stuff on Spotify. You know, that's, that's what most people listen to nowadays is, mm -hmm. you know, the CDs, not so much, but. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where, where should people go to learn more about you? Where do you want them to follow you and check out your music? Go to Linktree, Volume Rocks, Volume underscore rocks because that's that's kind of links to all of our social um but wherever they they we have an instagram facebook Bandcamp, wherever they like to go you know we have all those even x now which used to be twitter all right well yeah, thank was, you yeah no no go ahead no i was gonna say thank you so much for for coming on on the show today it was a lot of fun hey thanks for having me it was it was good talk